failure is just a fantastic thing. It's like it really is. I love that. It is. Failure yeah. is fantastic. It, um, it's the best thing that you can, the more you scuff your knees, the more you make a mistake, the more that you can, you know, really try, you're mm-hmm. going to become, you know, better. Mm-hmm. Um, the beginner, the expert was once the beginner. A thousand, first time you did a podcast, mm-hmm. way different than now. Right? Oh, yeah. If people can embrace and know that failure is the key to success, mm-hmm. that's everything. All right, advancers, today I have a special guest for you. He is one of the top CEOs in Utah. He is also a mentor, one of the best examples of what a really great father looks like. Oh, thank you. That's the best compliment I could receive. (laughs) Awesome. He's the CEO of In What Language, Cody Broderick. And I am just so grateful in sharing your time and honored, really, truthfully. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, I'm, honored. I'm really grateful to be here with you today. Thanks, Josh. Awesome. I would consider you a high performer. I would consider you in the top percentile of entrepreneurs. So to humanize you in general, I would love to dive into your origin story. Sure. Yeah. So again, thank you for being here. Thank you for your kind words. It, it's um, an honor to be here and really happy to share. And hopefully... Um, usually when I'm listening to a book or a podcast or something, I just try to find one or two little gold nuggets. So I'm hopefully I can share and maybe there'll be something valuable for your listeners. Or awesome. So um, I grew up in uh, Utah. I have two older sisters, three younger brothers. My family, my parents divorced when I was four. Four to seven was kind of rocky. Mm-hmm. And um, um, my mom was kind of struggling with some addictions at that time. So I saw some things that were kind of tough. During that time period, I moved in with my dad in the Murray area when I was eight, um, end of first grade, and created some good roots there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, from about first to uh, seventh grade, I lived with my dad. Um, I'm kind of a typical young man here in Utah. I went to church. Mm-hmm. I uh, I was a scout, and um, I had good grades and things. My mom moved away with my sisters. That was kind of sad. She moved back, and then at 12, 13, I moved up with my mom in kind of the Highland Olympus area, went to Evergreen Junior High, and uh, kind of started messing around with some of the wrong stuff from 12 to 16. Mm. I got my nose into um, actually smoking mm-hmm. weed and just uh-huh. just kind of the wrong crowd. Yeah. I got a DUI when I was young. And so some of those really early experiences just um, kind of woke me up at a young age. So I remember... At a party after I got my DUI, I was like, am I going to be doing this stuff when I'm 30 or 35? No yeah. way. So I decided to to kind of shift mm-hmm. um, and really kind of buckle down and, and work hard. So I got my first commission job when I was in high school. I just realized that working with people, talking with people was a passion. Yeah. So that's a little bit about, there's a yeah. lot. Very condensed. Yeah, that's yeah. really condensed. Right? I do want to ask, and you said you had how many brothers and sisters? Two older sisters two older and three sisters younger brothers. And, three under, and where did you fall in that order? Oh, so I, I come after my two older sisters. Okay. So I, I have three younger brothers, yeah. So kind of right in the middle. Right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And as far as the relationship with your father and mother, you said you had a better relationship with your dad, a closer relationship? Yeah, I mean, in different ways. My mom my mom was kind of always just a great friend, you know, I mean, from the, the, um, the side of being mom and being disciplined. And she, she had some struggles that she had growing up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and thank God she's doing so amazing now. And she's kind of fought through some of that stuff with addiction and stuff like that. But, um, my dad was always work hard, be tough, serve others. Like those yes. three things, work hard, be tough, serve others. So, That's amazing. so my dad was always the staple for me to have, um, some consistency, discipline, responsibility. That's amazing. And then from your mom, what were the biggest 
a trait would you say, if any, that you adopted from her? Yeah, um, having fun. I mean, so laughing yeah. and playing, being silly. Mm. And um, there's there's a dynamic of the difference between like and respect. We might like people, but we not, might not respect the way they work or mm-hmm. we might not respect their work ethic. or So I always loved, loved hanging out with my mom. I liked hanging out with my mom, but I really respected my dad. Mm. I liked my dad too, but I very much respected um, the traits and things that he taught me at a young age. That's amazing. And one thing that uh, our listeners may not know is that our adolescent and teen, early teen years are, are pretty similar in a lot of yeah. uh, ways. What were the biggest life lessons or lessons you learned in those environments, in those dynamics, I could say for me, and this is really weird to say, but I would say stress regulation was something that really helped me in those types of environments where you're dealing with very aggressive people or around every bend, there could be a cop that would that would be the end of your brain or whatever. Yeah. So that's one of the, the things. And also my, my threshold for very, very challenging situations, like mm-hmm. it just doesn't phase me. None of the, the regular, very stressful situations of day-to-day life really get to me in that way. Um, So that's kind of some of the lessons that I've learned. What about you? I would say they're similar. Some of those things you don't understand or they don't come to the surface until you get a little bit older and you can look and reflect and kind of uh, look back in hindsight. So I would say first it taught me how to have thick skin, just um, really no fear Mm -hmm. being in certain elements and areas. And so just not really having a fear of what was going on, whether it was a neighborhood I was in or I had to do something or a task. And that's really valuable when you when you move forward with entrepreneurship and things you're doing. You have to have no fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it taught me how to be to find comfort in chaos. I talk a lot about that in business that. and um, things are always chaotic. Yes. And you we all have a, a choice of how to respond to what's chaotic and working on time management, what's urgent or important, what's important but not urgent, mm-hmm. or what's not important and not urgent. But managing time is something that you learn. But everything's everything, even if you're not an entrepreneur, I mean, life's chaotic. We have children, we have things we have to do and responsibilities and birthday parties and, and all this stuff and learning, um, it's chaotic. So I think finding um, comfort in the chaos was something I learned at a young age because some of the stuff was pretty chaotic. Um, so thick skin, comfort, you know, kind of, and I think that relates to what yeah. you're talking about with stress. Stress is just, I think, life. And I think it gives us yeah. opportunities to to rise above them and turn stress into like an opportunity, not like a challenge. So I think just a lot of that when you're younger, you don't know what it all means. But as you get older, you're like, wow, in a sense, I'm really grateful for my path because mm-hmm. it made me tough and it made exactly. me, you know, exactly. more patient mm-hmm. and um look at things more strategically than just be reactive to things. Definitely. An attitude of gratitude. I love that. And mm-hmm. for any entrepreneurs listening, if you if you want to know what a high-performing, very successful entrepreneur looks like, look no further than Cody. And so Thank you. I want to unpack that a little bit more because I know you have so much knowledge and so many nuggets that you could help our listeners with. Sure. And as far as the early childhood scenario, what tools from, you know, zero... I mean, it's said that from zero to eight, our life is pretty much programmed and our behaviors and our destiny is pretty much mapped out from a neurological and psychological level. Mm-hmm. What tools have you have been most impactful in your life to really 
unwire or rewire or however you want to. Mm-hmm. So great question. Um, something that comes to mind that I discovered actually working with a therapist actually, and which I highly encourage. I mean, business coach, therapist, psychologist, whatever you want to call them. Yes. Um, we're really fortunate to have social media have so much um, access to emotional intelligence right now. Mm-hmm. And I see human beings really moving much more towards consciousness and mindfulness of where pain might come from and working yeah. through it. But in my time, I'm 39. So <laughs> like that stuff, you really had to kind of go see a shrink and talk through mm-hmm. stuff. So one thing I actually learned that when I was, when I was a young boy from my mom, my mom was so loving and just really affectionate and passionate and she would love on me hard. And then when I went and moved in with my dad, and my stepmom, it was a different dynamic. The way that I received love was by winning. Oh, wow. So if I got a 96 on my test, my parents would be like, well, what happened with the 4%? Not like, hey, we're going to have a pizza party. Yeah, yeah. So um, so my way of like getting love from them uh, or any type of attention was winning, winning in basketball, winning in golf, winning in my grades, winning in scouts. Mm-hmm. So that has held through. Like I mm-hmm. love to achieve. I have to constantly – like your podcast, I always want to be advancing. I'm, I'm for me. I'm like, like, what's next? Yes. And so I didn't really understand that though until you kind of unpack the history of going like, oh, okay, now I see why the element of winning mm-hmm. or achieving was significant when I was young. Mm-hmm. So that was that's just one example. That's amazing. Defining what you just said was you you know why you're competitive. What exactly. about the self-sabotaging patterns that, you know, maybe that you had to overcome to get to the level at where you're at currently? Yeah, I think and that's another that's a big area right now, mm-hmm. which is huge on in emotional intelligence is fear, limiting beliefs, yes. um, insecurities, mm-hmm. um, and all that that sabotaging and negative self-talk that I think everyone does. Mm-hmm. And so um the mind can be a powerful tool. It can also also rip you down and pull you down. So I think that, um, uh, you know, at a young age, um, I didn't, I didn't really pick up on a lot of that, you know? Um, but I think as I got older, I, I had to, you know, kind of understand maybe my roots and where, where some of my, um, behaviors or patterns came from. So I started investing myself in going and doing, reading a ton of Tony Robbins, going to his seminars, and learning about that type of stuff and ultimately just kind of letting go of any type of fear and security, knowing that it's okay if someone doesn't like me, they don't have to like me. You know, I'm not going to do anything to disrespect them or anything like that, but um, yeah, just loving yourself and accepting yourself as you, as who you are. So I think that it, for me, probably about age 12 is when I really changed. I mean, I did a 180. I went from this you know, serving the sacrament to like in a bad environment Mm -hmm. and learning about drugs and violence. And, and then I was making bad decisions. And so as I, as I aged a little bit, I think I carried guilt and shame, like, oh man, you're a bad kid. Or you introduced these other junior high students to pot and all this stuff. And I carried that. I felt so bad, but, uh, I, those are some of the things that you just have to let go of, you know, and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I know I have a good heart. I know I'm a good person. And, um, yeah, just kind of grow through some fears, insecurities, limiting beliefs, let go of them. Were there any maybe self-reflective questions our listeners could ask themselves to get get to that place of self-awareness or anything that that comes to mind? Yeah, so um, I think dissecting failure is really powerful. 
like dissecting. And I'll give you an example just in the spirit of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I think the last three years I've made a really conscious effort to channel down distractions or my whole family growing up told me I had like ADD. And um, that's powerful because you actually believe it. You hear it from them and you believe it. And um, in 360s, I would do with a lot of my executives and employees, they'd ask me to stay more focused in one area. And so there was some validation there. And that's hard to not get defensive yes. and, or make up excuses and be like, well, I'm, I'm really busy. You have no clue what it's like to balance people and resources and capital and finance and culture and performance. Yes. So I could make up excuses yes. or I could say, you know what? You're right. I'm going to make an effort to actually be aware of that. I'm going to dissect what you're saying. When does that happen? Why does that happen? And then I turned them into affirmations uh, to change everything. Like I listen and hold strong eye contact. That was an affirmation for a full year. I listen and hold strong eye contact. Wow. I listen and hold strong eye contact. So it tra it transformed who I was. Yeah. And I don't think I have any of those issues at all anymore. That's but that's amazing. just me. Like yeah. everyone is, there's no one out there that's perfect. Mm -hmm. And um, I have so many flaws. But if you can look at yourself humbly in the mirror and, and say, you know, where, where am I aware? Am I seeking? Am I asking questions from someone that I love? A real friend is going to be the one yeah. that'll be like, hey, look, I love you, but, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're really messing up here. Mm -hmm. And then if you're, for younger listeners, people that are really glowing, do not get defensive with that stuff. Like, see if there's any reality, some truth there. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to grow and transform, you just say, hey, thank you for sharing that with me. You know, I'm going to, I took it to heart and I don't want to behave that way or think that way or have someone, uh, give someone a bad experience or whatever yeah. it might, or I, I have, first of all, just higher standards of myself. I want to improve and transform and, mm -hmm. and advance, right? Yes. So if people can really, I think people are just robotic. They just do the same things every day. They go to the same, drive home the same way. They eat the same food. They just need food, water, and shelter. They're not really stopping and going like, am I dissecting failure? Am I really thinking about um, what I'm doing or, or how I could improve, how I can advance? Mm -hmm. I love that. And I, I think the law of first principle also based off of, the signals from other people, that's one aspect of self-awareness I don't think a lot of people talk about is getting those signals, but also understanding or cultivating before the signal that there's a deep relationship there from somebody who truly has your best interests in mind. Absolutely. Which your, is, your, dear, your dear family members, yes. your dear friends, and mm -hmm. being mindful enough to pick up on that stuff. Yeah, because everybody has an opinion. Mm -hmm. you know, Absolutely. So, you know, you, there's certain signals you want to avoid. Absolutely. Putting any focus on. Yeah. Right. Especially absolutely. in the age of social media where everyone has an opinion, anyone can comment and, and they could just be in a bad state when they do that. And it's like, you're going to, you just, I guess it's weighted differently, mm -hmm. right? The signals are weighted differently. Yeah. And those, those opinions, I would just tell the people to be really mindful of, you know, taking an opinion and saying, would I swap places with this person? Do I really respect yeah. them? Yeah. And how do I respect them as a father, as an entrepreneur, as a, as someone that's really mindful you know, a spiritual leader, whatever it might mm -hmm. be. So I always look at people that are like um, significantly further along than me mm -hmm. and try to get mentorship from them and really ask those tough questions and seek counsel from them to say, hey, what do you think of this? Or how could I change this? Or what are your biggest regrets? You yeah. Know, what do you, what do you notice from me that I could be more aware of? Yeah. That's so something. not just taking, you know, an opinion from someone else that it's like, wow, consider the source. You yes. know, just in and out, in one ear, out the other. Exactly. But really looking at like, how can someone that could really, truly, that could care about you, care about your well-being and say, look, 
I would look at this, I would read this, I would consider this, or I would follow this person. And then that's when you can really advance. I love that. And that's something that you are definitely um, leading the pack in is as far as mentors. I was listening to another podcast episode that you're a guest on the Jimmy Rex show. And he, you mentioned that you had something like six mentors at the time. And yeah, that you kind just of. kind of rotate through those. And man, that's one of those, those things that will definitely shorten that learning curve when you have people who you would swap places for in different verticals, obviously, you know, like mm-hmm. business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They all, they all, I can serve them and they can serve me, but the power really comes down to um, looking at someone saying, Hey, can you help me? Like, I don't know how to do this. I want to, I want to go from A to B or I'm having a challenge with this. I know that you've done these things and I would greatly value your insider input. Yeah. Then just learn, just sit back like a sponge where most people don't do it though, is the vulnerability, mm. the the fear of asking for help. They feel like they'll be judged. They feel like they're going to look stupid. Mm-hmm. They feel like they are not going to have time. They come up with all these excuses in their mind again, of like why I shouldn't ask for help or why I shouldn't do it. But, um, you know, I would, I, I would much, I would much rather give my time to someone that's just genuine about like, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out or can you help me? Can you do this? So I love mentoring. If I have a buddy that I grew up with that says, Hey, let's go play 18 holes. Like, no, I can't. Someone says, Hey, can you meet me for lunch? I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying yeah. to help much higher likelihood of we're all that way. We want to help, you know? So yeah. asking for help from mentors is significant. It's key. Mm. And and I know you've keynoted at the Utah Business Center uh, mm-hmm. conference. Is that a couple of years in a row now? Uh, yeah, three years. Three years in a row. Yeah. So three years in a row. One of the questions as being a mentor, because I know you do pick a few college students and you take them through the process as being a mentor to these um, these up and coming businessmen and entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. What patterns or, or what blind spots are you noticing kind of reoccurring theme with now having more experience in mentorship? I think just thirst and hunger. Mm. Yeah. Desire, drive. Um, you know, I, I lay out a formula from how to go from A to B mm-hmm. and it's not complex at all. It's very elementary and it takes five hours or so to actually work through it. This career conference happens on Friday. So in of 600 students, I'm always like by show of hands, who here's spent more than five hours on social media this week and everyone raised their hand and by show of hands or how long do you think this would take to go through this process? And then I challenge them and say, you know, you should do this. You can take your life and put your life kind of take control of your life. And by the way, I'll pick five to 10 people to mentor and stay in touch with and build a relationship with. And of 600 people, I'll get 20 to 25 submissions consistently. Wow. So yeah, like I'm giving you a formula. Wow. So yeah. So the percentages are crazy. You're talking three to four or 5% of a group. And then you look at what success is different to people, Mm -hmm. but there's something that exists with people that are hungry Mm -hmm. and driven and that want to advance and they want to, they want to dissect themselves. They want to go through the hard things. And sometimes they're actually looked at as weird or you're, you're uncommon or you're freak or you're crazy. Why are you so aggressive? Yeah. Why like all this stuff. (laughs) But in reality, they're the ones that are doing the hard work. They're the ones that are trying. So the patterns that I see are, is a lack of effort, a lack Mm -hmm. of hunger, a lack of desire. And then they, they spin and people spin in this cycle of not knowing how to go from A to B Mm -hmm. or what to do. And, um, even if you give them a formula, yeah, 
it's just it's just the discipline of doing it like not doing it and then there's so much to unpack behind why they don't there's fears and you know behaviors and stuff but i see a pattern for sure of people that aren't hungry that aren't motivated that just they don't they don't they're just on the some people call them sheeple sheep mm-hmm. um they're just on cruise control and it's a maybe it's a different breed or a different wire of human that's just you know, wants more, wants more to do more, become more, learn more, love more, give more, take what they've done and 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 serve. Yeah, that's an interesting like mm-hmm. theory. Like there's a recipe or something that exists. Yeah. Some people think it's genetic, other people think it's based off environment, cultural background. I mean, I don't I don't know what it is, but um it's it's really interesting. Like you said, you have the formula, basically follow this formula and it's almost guaranteed, right? And it's yeah. like <laughs> And what's ama- yeah, and what's amazing about social media right now, if it's used in a healthy way, there are people that have they 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 it's sort of speaking about the same thing over and over and over again. The mm-hmm. way that they speak of success and the way they talk about winning and engaging fear and in then like David Goggins released his book, mm-hmm. Can't Hurt Me, and he's proof, black and white proof of being three hundred pounds, yep. going into the, you know, becoming a Navy SEAL and there's ultimately no excuses that the, what happens is everyone builds excuses in their mind. Mm. Why, why you can't get up early, why you don't want to get up early or yes. why you can't do that mm. or why running a marathon is too long and too hard or why oh, I'll never be able to do that. You're right. You All know, stories. You think you can or you can't, you're right. So, um, so I think that uh, that's a big part of people just believing in themselves. Like you're halfway there if you believe in yourself and um, surrounding themselves with the right, the right energy energy is everything so i love that i I think mindset is is it used to be underrated i don't think it's underrated anymore i think society is now shifting uh with these mental performance coaches going into pro athletes and to pretty much every aspect but i think what the tool that really helped you you know and you're i think i don't know if it's mid-20s or when you started doing talk therapy yeah, absolutely. Right? Like that's similar absolutely. to like I I had a mental performance coach as well mm-hmm. for a short time that, you know, just again, is that person to show you those blind spots like, hey, well, do you catch your self-talk? Like, do you understand mm-hmm. how you're talking to yourself? Yeah, absolutely. You know, all of that. The stories in your head are all the limitations. Like you're believing, you're reinforcing it just by telling the same story over and over yeah. about how you can't or why you can't. Or if this changed, this external circumstance changed, then I would be successful when you have no pr- control over anything outside of yourself. So yeah, just fascinating. How- yeah, there's so you, people can view them as mentors as well. Yeah. But they, they'll cover the area of psychology or the brain or behaviors and link things. Mm-hmm. You can have a mentor, you know, um, in business and strategy and finance. If I want to become an amazing basketball player, who am I going to go to? An expert, right? Mm-hmm. It's interesting, though, how socially, like, our, our culture frowns upon, like, oh, you know, like, oh, I don't want to go see therapy. I don't, I don't need to be in that stuff. Right. No, actually... If you're smart, you'll understand it's the best things for you. Oh, it's the ability for you to go in and go to an expert and and help mm-hmm. them connect the dots or break down areas. Even if you're, I mean, top, top, top performers, mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. you know, LeBron, all of them have whatever you want to name them, you know, mm-hmm. the high performance therapist or coach, high performance coach. Michael but Jordan. It's, but it's it's brain. Yeah. yeah, it's all it's all related to um understanding where things come from the past why you are the way you are mm-hmm. and how you can improve mm-hmm. how you can take that knowledge and then go wow now i can really deepen my relationships i can give and serve back i can become a better father better leader 
better friend, you know, all that stuff. You're not, it, it's, it's going to be hard to discover that stuff without, you know, some support that way. It's hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not impossible though. No, yeah, there's people especially that now, yeah. nowadays. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's, I mean, from the books and resources mm-hmm. and social media out there, people can really do deep dives into yeah. themselves. Like tools, you could, Absolutely. there's journals that exist solely for self-reflection, asking the best questions. Mm-hmm. Like, man, like there's one question that somebody posed to me recently is like, okay, I want you to imagine, like close your eyes, imagine yourself at 80 years old. If your life played out perfectly how you wanted it to and your life goals were all accomplished, what would you look like? What would you be like? What would you feel like in that moment? Mm-hmm. And then in that in that scenario, as you're imagining it, ask yourself, your 80-year-old self asks you, you know, what's the th- one thing you need to change today or right now Yeah, to help mm-hmm. you get on that, you know, that path or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's like something so simple. It's just like, I need to stop binging Netflix for eight hours a day. You know, like, sure, seriously, like yeah, something simple. so you know, simple, but um, the tools exist. And I, I think going back to that proactive versus reactive mindset of, you don't have to be sick to get better is like, it's like we live in a deficit oriented culture, which is just, if you're going with the flow, then you automatically will not get better until you're in a deficit. Sure. You don't, you know, you don't think about optimizing health um, until you're at your lowest health. Right. Right. Until you're in like a health crisis. Yeah. Yeah. There's something crazy that happens. So really interesting. And there's a lot of research by David Buss that says like after 25, your habits, behaviors are so ingrained, you don't change. That's like scary statistic. That's something very scary to say. Right. Absolutely. Like after 25, you don't change. Like it's almost impossible. Or the to majority change. don't. The majority. Yeah. yeah. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I want to switch gears and mm-hmm. uh, I'm really excited to talk about in what language. Yeah. It's just, we're coming up on the, you're coming up on the 10 year anniversary. Pretty close. It's nine years, right? Yeah. It'll be 10 years in a year. Nine years is in December. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Why does In What Language exist? Who does it serve? Well, like, just dive into it because everything, you, everything you've built over the last nine years is phenomenal. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so uh, I got into the industry about 14 years ago and I looked at, um, I looked at the industry. First of all, I'm in, I'm in language services, technology, and solutions. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I help people communicate mm-hmm. different languages, different companies, and we we don't work with consumers, like people that are traveling or like, hey, I need to order a sandwich in China. I'm having a tough time. It's yeah. only enterprises, business to business. So websites, software, audio, video, inter- interviews, mm-hmm. um, content, product, customer service. Uh, and then um, we build technology to support it. So about 14 years ago, I just looked at the landscape of, wow, the world's really shrinking you know, and this was in 2005 when the internet was in its infancy. It still is in its infancy, really. Um, but I saw a significant opportunity to help synchronize people and businesses everywhere, get them communicating. And as technology has grown and we went to the second phase of the internet, which was cloud, right? Yep. First phase was just like connecting and talking. It was yep. email. Mm-hmm. Like here's an attachment. It was cloud. The third phase is automation. Like APIs, integrations, automation. Mm-hmm. I thought that, you know, there we definitely have a need for tools to help automate, streamline, and simplify the way people communicate. So my undergrad was in finance. I then decided it would be more valuable for me to study technology and information systems for my in graduate school um, instead of an MBA. 
Um, mm-hmm. MBA would have been sort of bread and butter for me. Would have been easier. Yeah. Like this is my sweet spot. I can mm-hmm. build a marketing plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so studying technology was really hard. I mean, I wanted to just like give up when I started learning how to, you know, program in Java. And um, but that was really beneficial. I then learned finance as my undergrad. Um, I got to uh, study technology. I learned that intersection. Um, and started building our platform. So without getting too um, ingrained in in the technology of what it does, it really helps simplify and streamline the way large enterprises communicate and centralize them. Big enterprises do not communicate horizontally. So marketing doesn't talk to product development, doesn't mm-hmm. talk to customer service. They all have different translation vendors. Mm-hmm. So we get them all working in a funnel in our in our platform. Um, the reason why we do it, we use 1% of our revenues to give back uh, to um, emerging uh, uh, emerging locations, emerging communities, primarily in Africa. So if there are disaster-affected communities where there's a hurricane, earthquake, tsunami, disease outbreak, or mm-hmm. we need training and materials to be translated in English so people know how to take malaria medication. We use it for that. We use it to help refugees here in the state of Utah integrate into the community. Wow. So we translate for like the UTA um, bus routes were never even translated. So can you imagine coming from like Afghanistan and oh then you get gosh. here and you're like, how do I get around the valley? No, I can't. I think that's one of the coolest things about my dad's origin story, which is he immigrated from Argentina. Mm-hmm. And then he started business and he's owned that business for 33 years. So. I love those stories, man. They're incredible. Those, and I love yeah, the refugees. Yeah. I love the immigrants when they mm-hmm. come in. So we want to help them. And we also give grants to translators all over the world to get out and do good. So they can plant trees. They can pick up trash. They can mentor to youth. They can wow. they can help the elderly. And they simply apply. And it's really fast. They can win fi- 50 to $300, which in some countries is massive because of the currency exchange. And so the the um, the why is to create a ripple of good, like just to create good. We have a we have a responsibility to use profits for purpose, or capitalism for cause, Ooh, and we can that. emerge as leaders to say, "Hey, look, you're translating for us. You're doing awesome. We love you. Thanks for being part of our supply chain." You can think of the business as sort of like Uber for translations. But the other second level is, what are you doing to grow? to advance in Mm -hmm. your community over Mm -hmm. in France or in Brazil or Argentina, Mm -hmm. here's an opportunity for you to serve. And by the way, you can be paid for doing it because it's part of our 1% of our revenue. So that's why we do what we do. Is that Um, something you integrated later on in in your, in let's say like halfway through the business? Yeah, good question. So is that a mentor or is that profit for purpose, conscious capitalism? Like has that always been a North Star for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Since inception, if you went to our blog, there would be like 60, 70 posts on um, giving back, kind Mm -hmm. of that concept of giving back. And early on, there wasn't a strategy because we're just just growing and taking revenue all over and trying to grow and trying to be socially minded and have, you know, produce impact. So we were- Where's that? Is that probably my, my, yeah, my dad, be tough, serve others, uh, work hard, you know? Wow. Um, so serving my dad's got a huge serving heart. Um, I think, uh, if you look at volunteerism in the state of Utah, it crushes other states just in general. Yeah. So, but I, I just think a higher calling to give back and, um, and there's many ways to give back and one teeny little gesture, one hug, one, one compliment, one can go. A long way in helping someone yeah so paying it forward but then we look at the responsibility of saying hey i have this tool i want to use this tool for good but to answer your question 
we were always uh, helping families with cancer, helping the homeless, helping veterans. We would do 5K races to raise money for people fighting cancer. We don't. We sponsored, I don't know how many Wish Kids at Make-A-Wish. Um, I helped there for a long time raising wow. money. But then it became strategic. Like, mm-hmm. how can we use our technology and our language to create an impact strategy? And then I hired someone who's a dear friend who's with doTERRA now, but created the whole strategy. It was genius to, to have our translators actually give back and work closer with NGOs and um, UN agencies to donate our services to make impact in disaster-affected communities, where in those communities, language is as important as food, water, and shelter. They don't know what's going on. They yeah. can't communicate. None of that stuff. It's critical. Yeah, that's amazing. And how many employees do you guys currently, do you currently have? We have on and off depends on our contracts around a hundred. Okay. So yeah, we have hundreds that are in and out of the platform at any, any given time. We have about 30 here in Salt Lake city at our office. And then, uh, yeah, it depends on our contract flow, but, um, remote folks are around a hundred and then hundreds in and out all over the world. That's amazing. And so those hundreds of people, if they're giving back, it's, it's a ripple effect. Absolutely. It's a beautiful ripple. I have effect. that on my vision board every year. It's just a water droplet that shows a ripple. That's because, amazing. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, I was, I was inspired by a woman who had, um, she was giving birth, but she was, she passed and they were trying to revive her. They had her two twins and they brought her back, but it was like a really long lapse period of time. Like they thought she was, she would have some uh, brain damage or difficulties that way. Um, oh, wow. But they brought her back. And then she said she was like vividly remembering when she was gone. Um, she could like see how many people she had served and helped. She was a teacher. And then she could see the effect of what she taught being passed down. And Whoa. so she's like, from then on, I knew that I was in the right field of teaching. And I knew there was a purpose for me to stay. And continue to fight for good and create more of a ripple of 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 helping and teaching people. And I was just like, that's amazing. Whoa. Okay. Now I know yeah. I have to use my business to help give back. I have to mentor. I have to, there's so much more I can be doing, you know. That is so cool. Yeah. And um, Cody, what are what are the core values of in what language? The mission statement. Mm-hmm. You know, what what is that? So our vision is to improve the lives of our employees, our our uh, our customers and everyone that we serve. And we do that three ways. We, we improve the lives of our employees by challenging them to become better and more outside of work and inside of work. And we do that by challenging them to create their own vision boards, to create their goals. We, we give them accountability partners. So mm. when they're not doing you know all of their, their roles and responsibilities with the company and growing and learning that way, we're really trying to push them to become more and better there and kind of engage some of those fears and look at themselves more. Um, we do it with, uh, well, we do it with global communities, I should say, improve the lives of our employees, global communities and our customers with global communities by giving 1%. Mm-hmm. So creating that ripple. Yep. And then for our customers, by being an example of greatness, we know we can't be perfect, but we can certainly strive to be exceptional. And if we show that through our, uh, the way that we operate internally, how our employees are engaged, and also how we give back in the community. I think it's a symbol of greatness. So our mission is to become the best performing language technology company in the industry. That's amazing. So if we fulfill that mission, we'll certainly can continue to go after the vision. Our values were driven by humility, authenticity, accomplishment, and vulnerability. 
That's great. So those are the areas. And then there's definitions behind what they mean at the company. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of uh, the heart or the core of the company. And it's powerful because when people understand that, and if they come to work for us, they blend their values. They see like, well, this really aligns. Then they get clarity on where they're going. And that's Mm -hmm. what I think is what's missing so much for entrepreneurs is vision. Mm-hmm. And then those three things behind the vision. Because you are, I've seen you behind the scenes, you are so action oriented and goal oriented. Is there a timeline that you foresee or that you're, you know, you're hitting for to become, to, to fulfill that mission statement? So, yes, uh, that's interesting. So vision evolves. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. My thoughts and visions and um, sort of. Um, even opportunity at the company now are different than they were three years ago because we're growing. We're bringing on much smarter people, much more talented people that help me think bigger, way bigger mm-hmm. than my ceiling. Mm-hmm. We all have ceilings, so yes. I'm trying to build build on my ceiling. But um, I'm 39. I don't chase other rabbits. I, don't, I have tons of people asking me to do this and do that and contribute here. But um, I think that we can, we have some big goals in five years and that's realistic to look at. Mm-hmm. I've got some big vision related things in 10. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I play cool. heavy execution on real revenue targets, real employee targets, real advancement that way in five. And then big picture vision stuff like the what ifs or like, this is what I see. I think it could transition this way in 10. So and so would you say, um, I, I'm, I haven't done any due diligence on this, but would you say in what language is the top uh, language software in Utah? So, um, or do you guys have other? Yeah, from a user standpoint, we're probably second or third amongst maybe 20. Okay. Um, globally, we're 106th. And okay. there's about 70,000 providers. Oh, wow. So That's a lot. Yeah, it's so big. You guys are high. You yeah, we're moving. We're moving, mm-hmm, we're moving quickly. And um, just the the data in our in our industry, only half the world's online, which is crazy. Wow. Yep. Only about three point seven billion is online. So there's a massive. Yeah, only. Yeah. Only three point seven. Yeah. yeah but so there's still a lot. To there's integrate. so much. Yeah. There's yeah. so much communication that's not happening. Ninety percent of consumers are outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And what we do touches every team and every department. So there's huge demand for it, and um, there's a lot of consolidation. The top. Uh, 100 companies in our industry account for 10% of total market share. So it's very fragmented. We have our own technology. We have the ability to merge and acquire. We're looking at acquiring. We actually are in the process of it, a firm in Romania and one in the UK. Is this your first acquisition? Yeah, our first two. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah it's it's messy and hopefully <laughs> things go through. But it's messy. Yeah, it's, it's intentional. Mm-hmm. It's We're doing it with the intent of really expanding our footprint there and pushing our our why why we're doing it um and you're in 150 different countries as well yeah we're in 150 different countries we work in over 300 languages Mm -hmm. that's kind of a a positioning statement it's 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 like wow yeah 98 percent of our revenue is from the top 15 languages french italian german spanish portuguese chinese japanese Mm -hmm. where there's heavy population and commerce so uh, you, you are what I would consider a sustained success entrepreneur, right? Based off the st- statistics, is like one in um, nine out of 10 business fail within the first two years. And within the next five years of those businesses that are still around, 80% of those fail. 
So you're coming in, you know, on your ninth, 10th year uh, mm -hmm. in business. And so what do you attribute that to? Is that organizational health? Is that recruiting? Is that, you know, putting the right people in the right place? I know it's a loaded question, but there, are there any things that you could really point, you know, focus in on that have been helpful I think in that? The, the desire to advance, the desire to improve, the desire to want to become more and do more and learn more. Um, humility of um, at times I've been a bad boss. The humility of, of saying, "Hey, I'm I'm trying to transform from an entrepreneur to a real leader," mm -hmm. and have gone and studied books the, and mm -hmm. school and did extended executive education at Harvard and a lot of time that way. But um, knowing that you don't know it all and you what you are is is um you're the master of moving a puzzle piece around. Mm. So and adjusting and um, and uh, putting the right people in the right place. So uh, I think showing up every day. I mean, when 20 years ago when someone say work hard, we really didn't know what that meant. Mm. You know, the people working like 14 hour days. But well, I think we have much more clarity on what it means to hustle, mm -hmm. you know, and work hard and show up every day consistently and know that, you know, what you do now it makes a significant impact. I always say one brick at a time. Like when they built Rome, they weren't like, they didn't roll out the plans and say, okay, <laughs> yeah, in 40 years, this is it. Mm -hmm. You know, the empire takes time and it's just consistent one one brick at a time. And I love Gary Vaynerchuk's saying of um, macro patience, micro speed. Mm -hmm. So he's very patient mm -hmm. with big picture vision. Yes. But he's very rapid on execution in the day-to-day -day stuff. And mm -hmm. um, I think that I've just been very driven and determined. Like the, the if you adopt the idea, I'm huge on affirmations. So things like nothing will stand in my way. Mm -hmm. Like I will work through this. I'll turn this challenge into an opportunity. I think just a, a mindset of determination also provides that um, uh, motivation that everyone around you needs. Like people look to you. Like you're the leader. Where are we going? We provide for salaries and 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 health and medical and and dental and and four hundred one ks and vacations for people. And they look at you. Like, Where are we going? So that's significant responsibility. So treating it seriously, treating it uh, with maturity of what my weaknesses are, how I can become a better leader, knowing I'm not going to make everyone happy, knowing I'm going to fail a lot failing forward, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, yeah, just constantly focused on becoming more, becoming better, transforming myself and the company. I love that. And, and to touch on the last point you just said, failing forward, mm -hmm. what is your best advice for young entrepreneurs, those looking to break into their own, you know, start their own business? Yeah. Some of the, around the fear of failure. Yeah. Um, so failure is just a fantastic thing. It's like, it really is. I love that. It is. Failure yeah. is fantastic. It, um, it's the best thing that you can, the more you scuff your knees, the more you make a mistake, the more that you can, you know, really try, you're mm -hmm. going to become, you know, better. Mm -hmm. uh, the beginner, the expert was once the beginner. You're a thousand. First time you did a podcast, mm -hmm. way different than now. Right? Oh, yeah. If people can embrace and know that failure is the key to success, mm -hmm. that's everything. And um, one of my favorite, favorite piece of advice that um, I have been given was when I, when I went to Harvard, I had interviewed seven people. 
And these are about two and a half hour interviews. And one question was, what advice can you give me? And my mentor at the time, and he's still just a dear friend, uh, his name's Sam Suval. So if this ever makes it around to Sam, I love you, Sam. Uh, <laughs> he said to never stop transcending. And I was like, okay, I understand what the word transcend means. It moves to means to move beyond or go above and beyond. But what do you mean? So he said, well, people are born into and conditioned to become what their environment is. Mm -hmm. You're a product of your environment. 100%. Yep. You're a product of this bubble that you're born in. And you believe that way and you think that way and you act that way. And you, 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 your level of achievement stops at whatever bubble you live in. And if your dad's an engineer, you'll probably be an engineer. Or you might, your uncle, there's similarities. But every once in a while, someone in a family just busts out of that bubble. And, mm -hmm. and there's always a story of, you know, yeah, Grandpa Steve went here. Uncle Bob went to medical school. And then he traveled the world. And he mm -hmm. saw pictures of him on elephants. And mm -hmm. he was this weird, you know. Um, but what that does is it raises the bar for the whole entire bloodline, for the whole entire family, mm -hmm. cousins, family, friends, to see like, whoa. Anything's possible. And then you'll hear stories of, well, my, my uncle is a lawyer, my mm -hmm. aunt's a lawyer, and then my other uncle's a, a, a doctor. And you're like, mm -hmm. whoa. So what happened? Mm -hmm. Like, what happened historically? What happened is they, someone never stopped transcending and showing to their family, their friends, and everyone around them that it doesn't matter if you're 15 or 30 or 45 or 60 you can constantly look to reach for more and become more and transcend. Mm. So I've heard some of my mentors now break it down into levels, levels of people, mindsets, accomplishment, achievement. Level 10 could be like a Warren Buffett or a Jeff mm -hmm. Bezos or a Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. People can kind of rank themselves. We all have access to two levels up. One fast, Oh wow. two levels up. But the question is, is what are we doing to engage that second level up? What are we doing to ask them questions of how I can become more? The mentors. How can I transcend? Yeah, the mm -hmm. mentors. The mentors are key. And um, so that's my greatest piece of advice that was shared with me that makes me constantly think that, you know, I, I want to transcend what I grew up in. Doesn't doesn't define me. Doesn't It helps me. It empowers me. Mm -hmm. I am everything that I, I believe I can become, believe I'm empowered to do, and I'll never stop transcending. So I'm disciplined with books. I'm disciplined with mentors. You know, I'm running the New York City Marathon on November 3rd. Yeah. And that's a, a big deal. Mm -hmm. I've been talking about that for a couple of yes, years. Yeah. So I'm running now, and that's a, that's a fear. But I just think there's always something next, you know. So in spirit of your podcast, always advancing it, that mm. you really hit the nail on the head with, what um, people need to do. And that's another way to say that is never stop transcending. You know, transcend your position now. Don't get comfortable and get flat and stagnant. And mm -hmm. in two years, be like, oh, you know, I have it all. I'm happy. And no, you're not. You need to start transcending. You need to keep fighting. Mm -hmm. You need to keep learning um, and making yourself uncomfortable. Make Putting yourself in situations where, you know, you don't know or you have to ask questions or you need to learn. Yeah, seeking that contrast for sure. Absolutely. Dude, it's so important. That was such good advice. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah. as far as the idea of like the podcast and always advancing, it's just 
the the idea to only get better when something again is worse or gets worse or when you're in a deficit or when you want to to you know reach for that new job promotion or whatever just like it seems so antiquated now like just always growing in personal and professional development is just like you're setting yourself up for these opportunities so when they do come you're ready yeah and it's not fabricated confidence yeah it's real confidence because you know you know, and you're expanding and you're doing hard things and, and seeking out contrast, which, you know, expands that space of possibility. Like you like our background in early, early adolescence and maybe having some existential crisis, maybe having some moments where we're like, oh, man, we're around some really dark people. You mm-hmm. know, this could be the end. And right. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't have those thoughts in, in a normal middle class family, you know, like so the, there are so many takeaways and so many benefits to having that always transcending, always growing, consistently learning, consistently getting uncomfortable and and having that familiar with that intrinsically is connected as you're going to fail a lot. Absolutely. And this is a higher level question. And I want to ask you this because I feel like the very base of that, like that's a very fundamental, like good way to teach, like fail forward. Uh, there's no, there's no failure because there's only lessons. Mm-hmm. But I think as you get more familiar with failure, you also are okay with saying, yeah, I failed. You know, I, I learned lessons, but I still failed. You know, mm-hmm. like that was an L and I'm not going to internalize the L, but I'm going to have an efficient perception on this. And that's not going to hinder my growth either way. Right. right? I'm not going to stop either way. Yeah. There's a lesson. Is that a higher level? Yeah, absolutely. So, so just to speak to that, I think that everything is a gift. Mm-hmm. Like everything is a lesson. Yes relationships if they were hard if something bad happened if you there were misunderstandings right if you didn't perform well in a certain area they're all lessons for us to grow and learn and they're all gifts actually yeah i remember um going to date with destiny with tony robbins we had to come up with a primary question my primary question before was how can i make this better but i was forcing will on everything to try to make things better Mm. um but then the question that i left with and what i always ask is how can I find the gift, grace, or teaching of, of like God's teaching in every single moment? So it allows you to look at when you're advancing and you're progressing to know that pain is gain. On the other side of your struggle, on the other side of pain is real progress, is real. It's a gift, man. Mm-hmm. Even all the struggles, all the hardship, all the challenge is a gift. And I think if people can adopt that mindset, even when they're in the they're in the depths of whatever it is, or they're they're fighting for something, or they're learning that like the obstacle is the it's path, the, yeah. the obstacle is the way. Like mm-hmm. you're supposed to go through this, mm-hmm. and so don't view that as something that's negative for you. Don't view it as something that's harmful, or view it as a gift. You understand that you're learning from it, and you're going to grow and transform. So um, that was a big you know moment for me to kind of like a big breakthrough when I learned that at that seminar, like, wow, I can view everything from God as a gift, how he's working in other people, how he's working in me. Um, so yeah, like a higher level, yeah. more of a spiritually aligned question That's with a, progress and, mm-hmm. and, um, which everything kind of permeates into everything else when you, absolutely. when you look deep enough yeah, for sure. It, yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's hard to disconnect everything. Um, for too long, but I, I do want to wrap everything up with kind of the the question that I ask is something you're learning that may be counter culture right now, 
or maybe something that a lot of people aren't investing time in learning? Which is, is there anything a subject that comes to mind? Um, I wouldn't know if it's counterculture. I would just say it's the uh, it's the centralization of humans into energy. It's like the Whoa. the fact that we all carry this energy around mm -hmm. us and we're all deeply connected. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that personally I'm on um I'm a, on a spiritual journey of understanding uh how we're all connected. And that's a that's a big journey of presence, meditation, mindfulness and really joy. Like mm -hmm. ultimately we we get we if we just stop and think about being aware of my spirit that I'm actually I'm a spiritual being mm -hmm. in a human having a human experience. Having a human experience, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I'm spent a lot of time, you know, reading stuff from Eckhart Tolle or Deepak Chopra. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people in that that lane that are um, mindful of, um, you know, our energy and our experience here together, and mm -hmm. learning that. And that we're all connected. So I think that um, there's a big, there's a big, there's, it's an emerging movement of knowing, of people understanding that or having that information and how, learning how to deal with challenge. Like why my emotions are like waves in the ocean that come and go. Why am I feeling that way? Am I aware of this? Why do I actually want to go shopping? Or why do I want to get on mm -hmm. the internet? Why do I want to? Mm -hmm. So I think um, growth for me as an individual is taking a much closer look at that. And it helps me become a more present dad, a more present leader, and understand that um, everything's just a gift, you know? So that's kind of what I'm, what I'm more fascinated in. I used to spend, you know, uh, nonstop personal development, business books, finance, and go, 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 and all these mm -hmm amazing CEOs and stuff, but now I'm actually much more interested in the mind and, mm -hmm. um, and advancing that way. So it's powerful. Yeah. That's very powerful. And if you, if you could sift through everything that you've learned in the last couple decades, would you, what's one thing that you would say to get to the level of success that you are now to start training or start, you know, learning or investing in? Yeah. I mean, feed your focus, starve your distractions. You gotta, you really gotta farm out what's not healthy for you. You gotta let go of, you know, some bad behaviors or habits that, you know, you need to change, but it's just about the desire to raise your standards. Um, there's so much information that's readily available. Podcasts are fantastic. Um, books. Um, I listen to probably two to three, at least audiobooks a month, just driving and downtime mm -hmm. or running um, and a lot of podcasts. So I think people just have to want to do it. Again, it goes back to that, the desire, the yeah. desire to want to do it and want to learn and become more. Um, and the way you fast track that is with mentors, absolutely. Mm. And, and all the tools and resources and asking more questions, not being afraid to fail. Yeah. And, um, learning, I had lunch yesterday with a former employee uh, I was an employee for two and a half years. In the early years of the business, when everything was manual and we're using <laughs> Google Docs spreadsheets and stuff. Yeah. And um, he learned so much there. He took me to lunch and he started his own business. 
It's amazing. And uh, yeah, and and he's and the the and then he was telling me he was expressing gratitude for what he learned, but he was doing the same thing. He's like, I have these challenges. What would you do? And I'm like, first of all, the first thing I want to do is tell you that you're awesome. Tell you that you're amazing. First of all, you had you had you know you have bravery, you have no fear, you have thick skin, whatever you want to call it, to start this, to look at there's a challenge and you know and even if even if it fails, yeah. he's failing, he's learning, he's moving forward. So we had a great lunch and um yeah, I'm just grateful that he reached out. And uh so I would just say for people to to uh to never stop searching for what's not there, like constantly be wanting to learn and be curious and nurture that curiosity. That's amazing. I, I, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, I do want my listeners, if they want to contact you for any services from the what language or where can they find you on social media? Or... Sure. Yeah. I, I um, uh, you can go to in what mm-hmm. If there's any enterprises that you work with, we'd love to help. Um, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, just Cody Broderick or Cody M. Broderick. So I, um, I try to blend a lot of my vision and work with family life and having fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty open and transparent with yeah. life there. Yeah, that's I mean, the truth. Yeah. So, uh, have a lot of fun that way. Is there anything else you want to leave, leave the listeners with? Anything that's top of mind? Just right that now? I, I, uh, admire you. And, uh, yeah, I'm grateful that we met and we're friends and I, uh, for anyone out there that has ever been afraid to try or, you know, or, or think that you should give up or not try, you're wrong. Mm. You know, you just, just put in the effort, just put in the work and, and continue to try. So I just, I think you're doing great stuff and you're providing so much valuable content to people and that in and of itself is you're creating such a big ripple of your own. So I think it's awesome. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Especially coming from you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That's it. Thanks for tuning in. If I brought you any value today, please subscribe for notifications of next week's episode. I would truly appreciate it. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Connect to our community on social media. We're building a tribe of self-actualized grow-getters. Those that implement the practice of lifelong learning, understanding it will catalyze self-actualization, the ultimate production of the human spirit. Find your baseline and grow every Every day. Till next time, adventures. Make the rest of your day the best of your day.